Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Thanks as always for subscribing and tuning in. This is a really important episode for me. Uh, Frankly, one of the reasons I created this podcast was to talk to folks like this. Darren Aronofsky is my guest today. He is, for my money, one of the best filmmakers working on the planet today. If you love movies, you probably love and appreciate his work, um, as I do. He's made Black Swan and The Fountain and Requiem for a Dream and The Wrestler and uh, Pie. And his new film, which as I speak today is about to come out, uh, is Noah, which is his biggest film, certainly from a budget budget perspective and certainly from a controversy perspective. It's a uh, retelling, of course, of the... Uh, story of Noah and his ark, and it's all there. The animals, <laughs> the uh, the flood. Um, there's a lot to chew on. It's uh, it's certainly a movie. Once you see it, you will have questions, and you'll uh, you'll want to talk about it. Um, and that's what I got a chance to do today um, to talk to Darren Aronofsky about his new film and talk about his his work thus far uh, in the industry. Uh, the films he's made, the films he's almost made. We talk a bit about his flirtation with comic book movies like The Wolverine and Man of Steel. Uh, this is, for my money, um, one of the most interesting filmmakers uh, out there today. And uh, he's a smart guy. He's a New Yorker like myself, and I feel definitely a kinship with him because of that. And it was great to talk to him the day after his film premiered here in New York. I was uh, there with him at the Ziegfeld last night, which is kind of the ultimate New York movie theater. We talk a little bit about that at the outset and uh, a whole lot more. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. If you love movies, you will love uh, hearing from this guy because he's a good one. Uh, so here it is, my conversation with the, the great filmmaker that is Darren Aronofsky. I did my first Ziegfeld premiere on Black Swan, and that was, that was great because it was very emotional because... Growing up in New York, that is the theater of theaters. And, you know, when it became a possibility for Black Swan, I was like, please. And I begged Fox Searchlight, was, which was beyond, you know, it's usually beyond what their reach is. Uh, but they did it for me. And it was just, it was great. But to be back again, it's just always, you know. I mean, I, the two places you want to premiere as a film director is there and the Chinese man. Right. Because you know, that's the dream. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know... <laughs> What like uh, Pi is a, what a sixty thousand dollar venture, and here we are, what fifteen years later, sixteen years later, <laughs> something like that. And you've got exponentially the biggest film you've ever done by a factor of I don't know what five, <laughs> ten, I don't know. Yeah. Um, did I mean at what point in the career did you know you were sort of headed or feel that you could be headed in, into this scale of filmmaking? Was this something that you knew yeah. you were going to get to at some point, that you wanted to do at some point? Well, I've always had an interest in it. In it. You know, there's, all, there's been my connection to a bunch of the superhero films that I was always very interested in. They just never seemed to really work out for one reason or another, usually because um, I was lucky enough to be able to get something going that I self-originated. And... Um, but, you know, when you were undertaking something like Noah's Ark, you knew you were making a spectacle, uh, something that had to really push visual effects and scope just because you're dealing with God's miracles. So we had to bring them to life. So we knew it was going to be big. Uh, but, you know, it's relatively small, even though it is big, as compared to, I can't believe, someone was telling me how much movies some movies cost. I should know that, but I was kind of stunned myself. You know, when you get into—I mean, I know this is a passion project. This is something that goes uh, 
back a long ways for you. Um, you know, when you're dealing with, you know, I don't know if you can call it a genre of filmmaking, but films that revolve around stories of, of the Bible and, and faith, um, you know, in our lifetimes, the two films that probably most people reference the most that were the biggest high-profile ones were Passion of the Christ and Last Temptation of Christ. And both of them arguably are the two most controversial films of their respective <laughs> years yeah. and times and, you know, nearly killed like Scorsese and Mel in different yeah. ways. So, you know, you're a smart guy. You know what you're getting into. Is, is that enter the equation when you... I think, there's a, I think there's a different genre when you're talking about New Testament and Old Testament. Okay. I think the Old Testament has not been tackled for 50 years. There's been many New Testament films, a lot that just sort of go by without anyone noticing or any kind of controversy. Um, but no one's really touched the Old Testament since, uh, well, I mean, John Huston did something that didn't, you know, was sort of a, a footnote in his career. Uh, but then, of course, there's, you know, Ten Commandments, which for me was one of my favorite films as a kid. And, you know, whenever it's on TV, it's completely watchable. Yeah. You just can't turn it off. <laughs> so um, I just felt it was it was a dead genre, and it, it's not really a living genre uh, because, you know, um, and it was strange because there's so much to those stories, and yet they were attempted, and they pushed visual effects. You know, you still go on, I guess it's the Universal ride, and you see the Noah, I mean, excuse me, you see the parting of the Red Seas type right. of thing effect. Right. That was groundbreaking then, yet now we're here in the 21st century where visual effects has com have completely changed. And you can really do God's miracles in a whole different way. Right. You know. So uh, tackling this one, I mean, I, I remember um, The Fountain initially was intended to be a, a much larger film, at least budgetarily speaking, right? Yeah. I'm curious, like, if, if that film had come to fruition in that way, do you think you'd still tackle this in the same way? Do, do you see any linkage between what you were doing there and what you're doing here in Noah? Because they feel like spiritual cousins in a way to me. I've, I've heard that from a few people. I think, I don't know what it is about the films. For me, you know, um, The Fountain was a great accomplishment. and uh, But there, there definitely was a spiritual, uh, and there was quota quote, quotations taken from the Old Testament. But uh, it was a mythology unto itself. This was an adaptation, you know, and it was about, uh, you know, taking what's in the Bible and turning it into myth and making it big for, um, you know, there's so little there uh, in the four chapters and everything is symbolic and legendary. And that if you look at the Bible as myth and, and take, you know, and parable and take from it lessons that apply to you, um, it's, it's very, very effective. The fact that there's a cautionary t environmental tale written thousands of years ago right. about that if you kill each other and if you have uh, wickedness in your heart and if you corrupt the earth, you're going to get punished right. is so apt to what's going on right now that um, you know it was so easy to draw a connection. Are, are you someone that... Um my wife actually works for an environmental group and, uh, you know, fighting the good fight and we're all a little, you know, depressed to, to different degrees every day. I mean, are you someone that's kind of pessimistic about where we're at in terms of the world going to hell in a handbasket? Or... I, I think it's critical. I think it's really critical. And, you know, people have been talking about the end of times all the time. Yeah. So you go back a thousand years, people were talking about the end of times. But, you know, we have significant evidence now that things are changing. And it may be something that's happening in 100 years from now. It may be happening in, you know, 500 years from now. <clears throat> but 
I can see the impact in my lifetime. You know, when I was a kid in elementary school, there was a one-page piece of sheet that showed you the endangered species of the world. And now, basically, you can't find a, 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 any environmental location in the world, any place in the world that doesn't have some type of human impact. I was actually, I spent uh, five weeks um, with a program called School for Field Studies, which is a great organization still around and takes college students, and in my case, high school students, into environmental areas and, and ecological areas, and you do research. Our textbook was The Origin of Species, and our classroom was actually Prince William Sound, and that was three years before the Exxon Valdez. And it was one of the most beautiful places I ever saw on the planet. And, and, and I remember at one point eating a granola bar and a wrapper fell off into the water. We were kayaking around. And I remember circling around and searching for that wrapper. But it went under. And uh, I felt terrible. And still, every time I ever think about littering, I think about that wrapper in Prince William Sound which was there. Now that wrapper is nothing as compared to what happened three years later and right. evidence of the spill is there. But, you know, every plastic bottle we deal with, unless it's, you know, dealt with correctly, is around for 10,000 years. Yeah. The other thing that, you know, I was working on a Western that was set in the 1860s. And uh, I realized, I was thinking at the time, that if every single person was to drop dead and disappear on the earth, that Except for forged metals, you know, like belt buckles and horseshoes and some gun parts, every evidence of mankind would be gone in a couple of hundred years. All of our homes, everything we have would be gone. And now you look, since the 1950s and all the pesticides and all the petroleum products, there are things, and everything that's in this iPhone right here. I mean, who knows what type of stuff we're pulling up and putting in different places? What is going to happen to this iPhone in 50, 100, 1,000 years? What is it going to be like? And how many are there? It just seems like it's changed. And there's definitely, uh, you know, I, I believe that our, you know, our grandchildren's grandchildren, they'll look back on us and say either we saved it or we're the most selfish, you know, dumb people that ever existed. I'm curious, like, also just in terms of this kind of a film for you right now. Um, you know, you you come off of Black Swan, which is, I think, you know, um, your most successful film probably by a couple different degrees in terms of financially. And, you know, you've had great critical success, but that was a huge critical win. I don't know. The Wrestler did better critically. Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Um, I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess Black Swan was more divisive. The people yeah, that yeah. loved it. Yeah, loved yeah. it and there yeah. were people that it just didn't work for for whatever reason but uh, what I guess my point is like it feels like cashing in a chip in a way and it's it's fascinating to me that you kind of cash in, in in this way and like make this really bold and um, you know it, it's it's <laughs> it takes a lot uh, to get something like this going and to get a studio interested in something like this I would think so I'm, I'm curious was it um, a strategic kind of play as well in terms of thinking like it's now or never i have i have what no, it takes to get it, this going now no it's just passion it's yeah. something as you know i've talked about i've been thinking about for 30 years I, I wrote a poem when i was 13 about noah and so he's been kind of this person and this this character in my life that's kind of inspired me to go down this creative path mm-hmm. and literally after sundance in 1998 with pi i came to la and uh, it was raining uh, I, and I, I know this is it's I was just looking in, a, in an old journal about this because someone asked me some information about 
the, I was trying to find the origin of it. Yeah. And it turned out it was raining in L.A., and I went to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Have you been there? No. It's this really, really cool kind of pseudo-museum uh, on Venice Boulevard okay. um, that you got to go check out the next time you're in L.A. Probably. And they had this little uh, diorama on Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I saw it, and, I, and, I, and it resonated for me because of uh, my life. And, and that poem I wrote, and I and I start thinking about why haven't why hasn't anyone made an Old Testament movie in fifty years? And I just started you know thinking about it and dreaming. So for me, you know, the, it's just about passion. I don't care about. There's no size or scale. I don't care. That's not why I'm out making films. I you know, I do make a living at it, but it's never been about you know that part of it. Um, it's really just about the work and about telling stories that I know my friends will dig. Right. You know, for me, last night at the premiere, the only guys I cared about were the guys I met in elementary school, right. and they were all there. I had like five of my old friends, the whole posse, and we just sort of, I was like, guys, are we okay? And they were like, oh, it was great. And, you know, and when I see my old friend Eric, you know, who I used to draw with, uh, you know, in second grade and write stories with, and he starts like talking to me. In the language I talk to my team with, I know it's great and it's yeah. working. So, you know, that's the passion. Is there is there any other story you've obsessed about as much as this over the years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that would be? I can't talk about that. <laughs> you got to keep it down deep, okay. you know. Okay. Uh, we've got a, this couple of ideas. There's two more ideas or so that are... Old school. Then I'm going to have to start finding screenplays. Were they also poems penned in grade school? <laughs> no, I wasn't <laughs> so much I of a nine-year-old composition notebook. And... <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, my mom threw out all my old notebooks, and I don't have it. Otherwise, I'd have a, a lifetime of stuff to do. <laughs> um, Russell, as you're as you're leading this, um, sure. you, you you gravitate towards certain kinds of performers. I mean, Russell is extraordinary doesn't suffer fools we know that i mean much like mickey in that way um do you feel like there are certain kinds of actors that you that you look for that you gravitate towards Uh, this was a i don't know i don't think so i mean you know you you also look at natalie i mean i i I think you got to find the right actor for the role and and when you're dealing with noah an iconic role you know you look at what charlton heston did and became the image of Moses, you know, for most people on the planet, when they think of Moses, or if you probably Google Moses, that's what comes up. You know, it was a very uh, hard role to fill. It's, uh, you know, really a very challenging role to, to undertake. And also you have to have big cojones to really, really want to, you know, trust that I'm not going to embarrass you, you know. And he did it. You know, the best compliment I got about his performance, and there's been really great writing about it, everyone's saying, you know, the best thing he's done in a long time, is Ray Winston, um, who was like, you know, what's great about Russell is that every scene he's so subtle, taking such small choices, and look where he goes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, that's true. You know, but to have the confidence to do that is, is a real veteran, a really a great actor to, to basically take those steps on the path to... Uh, to where he had to get to, which is pretty extreme in this film. And coming from Ray Winston, who, by the way, just like like he has in many films, just owns the screen. Like he's yeah. just he's a badass. Oh I, my God. I love Ray. He's amazing and, and a great life, and a great too, human frankly. being. Like, just did you talk to him? Room, yeah. yeah. And he walks into the room. He, yeah, he is the room. He's yeah, the... <laughs> he's Ray. Ray's great. Ray Amundo. He's he's one of my favorite people right now. Um, okay, can we go back a little bit, just background? Because sure. you know, we, we both, uh, you know, as I said before, we we're New Yorkers. We we still live here. Um, you know, it must, 
and you, you've never, as far as I know, moved to L.A. You never... I lived in L.A. for uh, as a film school student okay. for, I think, two and a half years, like in the early 90s, when Venice was still a ghetto, pretty much. It was rough. And I lived in Venice. It was fantastic. But now I go, I'm like, how much for that house? I'm like, <laughs> unbelievable. How, uh, but how, I, yeah. how important is your intrinsic... New Yorkerness to your your film your filmmaking style. You think how much does it? I don't know. I wish I wish it was more. You know, I, I look. I mean, I grew up looking up to Marty and to Woody. Um, you know, and those New York filmmakers. You know, so my films uh, aren't always. You know, I mean, the fact no, it has really. You know, actually, someone said to me, you know, Joshua Rop Ropkoff yes, uh, from, from Time Out, yeah. He's like, this is the New York Bible story. I was like, what are you talking? He's like, the way they talk. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't write that, please. <laughs> Funny, but don't yeah, write it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I thought it was cool. I, you know, I think I, I, you know, if anything is, it's definitely um, there's a lot of Jewishness to the film. I think because it's kind of the Jewish tradition to, you know, have midrash and to have discussion and to think about these. Um, you know, to look at these Bible stories as uh, why are they written that way, right. and what does it mean to me right now? And and there's just been thousands of years people doing that, so it, that to me was nice. We showed it to a room of ten rabbis, and they were all like, "Oh yeah, it's a post midrash examination of the text." And I was like, "Oh cool." So, <laughs> you know. Was your experience growing up before film school and before starting to make your own stuff like? Were you did you stop film sets? Were you like a film nerd like as a kid? Not real. No, no, not really. Not at all. I mean, I growing up in South Brooklyn is miles away from New York City, and uh, I mean, we did come into New York City. My parents were great because they loved Broadway shows, and we sat in the last row, the cheapest seats. And I got to see. I had a stack of playbills by the time I was, you know, twelve or thirteen. So. I grew up with a lot of Broadway, um, and also, you know, Manhattan was always there, so the greatest city in the world was right there. But I didn't really understand what a director did. I, I did grow up, at, you know, I was that that sweet spot when Spielberg and Lucas were coming, so I had heard of them. Like, I remember when E.T. came out, and I knew it was Spielberg, but I didn't really know what a director was. I had no idea um, what that all meant. And then... Um, I think the the turning point for me was going to there's one mall in Brooklyn called King's Plaza, and uh, it's all the way south, all the way out in South Brooklyn, and we went to see some movie and it was sold out and uh, there was this weird looking guy with a Brooklyn hat and funny glasses and we're like oh let's go see that and it turned out to be Spike Lee's she's got to have it, and I walked in two minutes late or five minutes late and it was during that montage when all the different guys are doing their pickup line. Right. And I was just, my jaw dropped. I was like, what the hell is this? And I, I've always had a taste for different, for independent stuff, I think, just in music and art before that. But seeing that, it was like, oh, there's something going on here. And then the nice thing about when we were kids, I don't know, how old are you? 37. 37. So, you know, the video store thing was like, you know, the only way to sort of see a naked woman in some ways. <laughs> And they were often in foreign films. And I've heard the story, I think, from Harvey Weinstein <laughs> or someone like that. But, you know, that was like, oh, we'd, I'd watch the old Italian films. And somehow I, I stumbled on a Fellini film. Right. And uh, then, you know, that changed things. And so then I actually just started wa you know, you know, watching movies from the video store. And, and I got to see a lot of really great stuff. It must be such a, a, a gas for you for, like, you know, to obviously have the place you have in, in the industry and in, in the, the world of film now where, like, you're, like, 
like the cool film nerds, right? You're their guy, like you know oh, what I mean. Like mm-hmm. you, you have that place with like a PT Anderson, whatever, right. a very small company. It's got to be. I mean, do you, do you take stock of that? Do you think of sort of like how far you've come in terms of like what your name actually means yeah. to a lot of young film students, etc. Nowadays, well, it's always great when you meet young people who talk about you know how re- what Requiem meant for them or the Fountain. You know, you've, it's always great when you realize you've impacted. You know, people in a positive way. There was one yesterday of. Uh, um, it's just really nice when you hear that people, you know, because we all remember those films that kind of changed us yeah. and made us think about things differently. So, you know, that it's a thrill. And I mean, it's. I mean, you're talking about the filmmakers I love. You know, I love seeing Wes's movies and PT's films, and and I barely know them. I've a few handshakes, but it's great to see that there's an exciting. You know things that get you out of your house. Yeah. You know because TV is so freaking good now that uh, you know and it, and movie theaters kind of stink <laughs> to a certain extent. I shouldn't be saying that the day before it opens. <laughs> Go see Noah in the theater. It's Need a big the experience. Yeah. The Zigfield's great, and we're playing in the Zigfield, which is so cool. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, I uh, you know it's great to go out to the you know out to the theater and see some of these. Um, some of the people I look up to making awesome stuff that yeah. inspires. Well, one thing that, that, that I do appreciate <coughs> about you is, like, I remember one of the times I just ran into you randomly in the last few years, I saw you at, like, there was a screening of Prometheus. Mm. And, and, and there was, like, a, a geek, shared geek moment where we were, we were both like, I can't believe we're, we're here. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Ridley's back doing sci-fi. This is That's gonna, great. For whatever, you know, whether we ended up liking it or not. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> I loved it. I thought I thought Ridley's use of 3D was remarkable. Of course, it's a because he's film, he's a God. great 3D filmmaker. Yeah. And and sure, there's some plot holes or whatever, but it's a it's a good film. You know what it is? It kind of takes all the tropes of an alien movie, and they're all in there. You know, and for me, I, I had a great time with it. Yeah, and Fassbender kills it. Oh, always amazing. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you? Uh, you're consuming a lot of film always. I would I would assume again you're you're trying to get out there. I'm a little bit. Up. I'm a little behind. Okay. Um, this year was hard. The last six yeah. seven months was hard, so I missed a lot of good films. I saw all the. I mean, it was a great year for film. Yeah. Um, I just you know seeing Spike's film Horror was just incredible. I actually saw it unfinished. I got to see it early in September, and it was just incredible. Um, Alfonso's Gravity was just remarkable. I mean, it was a great year. Yeah. And it was it was it was just American Hustle was great, and I mean, you just look at the films nominated. It's like okay, I remember it was a year like that. The year before Requiem came out, and I can't remember what it was. I know Fincher had a film, and all these people had. I think it was the year of uh, being John Malkovich, and yeah, it was just Fight Club and, and Fight Club. Yeah. It was like another one of those years. Yeah, yeah, it was the yeah. year before, or no, it was after ninety eight. I think okay. it was ninety nine or, or two thousand. 99 probably but it was those years I just didn't know if we would ever get another year like that and then this was it so it was a good year you know uh, um, you mentioned before and you know like a part of me just as, as a huge fan of your work and a huge fan of of frankly blockbusters when done right and comic book movies when done right has always like you know wanted to see it come to fruition whether it was Wolverine or Robocop yeah. one of those things and I know they come varying degrees of, of, of uh, closeness um, like what happened on, on Wolverine? Was it just like it just didn't? It wasn't it was the right time, or wasn't the right what? I love the script, and I, I actually thought the film came out great. Um, I just um, had a. It was just a hard time in my life. It was complicated, yeah. and I couldn't. 
I couldn't leave New York for that long amount of time. And then, to be honest, you know, the, the possibility of Noah started to emerge, and that here was something I had been thinking about for years, so I got really excited by that. Yeah. What Was uh, was Man of Steel something that you were actually considering? They were saying Absolutely, were... Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, I you know, Superman's one of the holy grails of... of, of, of the, I mean, it's Superman. Yeah. It's like the best superhero. I mean, Batman, of course, is great, but it's, it's Superman, so right. it's on the same level. So that possibility was, was great, but, you know... I thought Zach was a great choice, and you know I loved the Watchmen movie. Are you a Watchmen fan? I, the, of the, of the, of, I didn't love Zach's interpretation. I, I'll be honest. I, I loved, loved the source material. Really, I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought, as a fan of the comic, you couldn't have hoped for a better interpretation. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, I like, and I think some people I know they, that's a divisive film too. I love like the first like opening montage that is maybe the thing most different <coughs> from from the comic. I like when he diverged a little bit. Oh really? No, I, I like the orthodoxy of it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, did did you ever uh, have? I'm just curious. Like, did you ever have a take on what you would have done with Superman or Man of Steel? Was there? A... You know, it was very. It was just a couple of conversations. Okay. I talked to Nolan, and um, he was great. And uh, and uh, you know, there were a few conversations. You know, the script I saw was definitely not as good as what they did. Got they it. they did a lot of good work to it, but um, I liked. You know, it was interesting to add the pathos that they. You know they kind of put into the character because yeah. it's a hard one to do with that type of you know I think you look at what Christopher Reeve did it was perfect because it captured that kind of good old boy thing but to try and redo that again or bring that for a modern audience is tough in yeah. a post-Batman world and Wolverine world it's hard to do that um, are you kind of reliving this stuff again through you've, you've got a son that's probably at the age where he's probably enjoying this kind of that, those kind of films I would think yeah no he's a little too young okay which I'm not pushing <laughs> <laughs> see Noah yet or are you going to hold off on, on that he's, he's, he's seen so much over my shoulder because yeah. I like to, him to see what his you know what I'm doing because yeah. I think that's good um, Arnon Milshan my producer on this film always included his children yeah. like since I started working with him on the fountain his kids would be in like the top level meetings just hanging out no and kidding. I was like I was like that's cool actually you know they should see what their dad's doing and you know so <laughs> did, did um in terms of just like approach to filmmaking like I remember I uh, correct, correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like wrestler was a bit of a turning point in terms of um less storyboarding uh, maybe uh, just a little bit of a loose uh, um, approach. Did that, did that inform something like, I mean, Noah, which to my mind you would have to previs and yeah. do a ton of stuff like that, but does that loosen up the approach a little bit, having an experience like... Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the most uh, the most precise film I have done was uh, The Fountain. I mean, it was also built on sets, and the location work was very limited. So we were really able to control the entire visual, you know, experience. <clears throat> I mean, with Noah, there's so much environmental elements to it right. that we couldn't do that. Being in Iceland, where basically the weather would change every eight minutes, right. completely change. It was, you know, it, instead of having Mickey Rourke to sort of respond to, it was the weather in this film. <laughs> And, uh, and and that continued even when we were working in, you know, even in Long Island outside, it was hard. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's always a constant change. I mean, for me, Black Swan was a really nice marriage of, you know, a very loose style and then some complicated visual effects. And I think I think this is sort of similar where it's like, I don't know, I guess the, old, the older and the more experience you get, there's a certain type of ease that you can take to the set right. knowing that, 
you can hopefully create something with what's going on. You just got to you still got to do your homework. You still got to be as prepared as possible. But if you have a great team and you've thought about the scenes a lot, right. you know, cuz I don't even in the wrestler I never walked, you know, it it, it kind of came across that I was like naked on set. <laughs> and I wasn't naked by any means. I had I knew what I had to get and I had an idea of what I wanted to sort of shape it. Right. But then I was really completely open to see how Mickey played it and where it went. I'm still frankly surprised, just again, from like a film fan perspective. Like, I, don't, I wish the industry made more of, of Mickey since then, since yeah. that amazing performance. And I don't know what... Well, he is. had that great role in Iron Man and stuff. And yeah. It is what it is. <sighs> you know, it's all about choices, you know. And so I, uh, you know, look, I was with Mickey the other day and uh, literally, I guess it was three days ago, and he looks great. He's so fit. His spirits are great, and he looks gorgeous, and uh, and he, he's just clear headed, and so it's only a matter of time till he does another great role. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you think you are um, most different as a filmmaker, just like night and day from the beginning <laughs> to the first from the the first couple? Oh wow, I got no idea. You know, it's I, I there's a I've story I've told a couple of times. I had to go see. You know, usually I don't watch my films again after you know I, la- last night's the last time I'll see Noah. I won't see it again. And uh, so it was kind of like a, a the breakup. <laughs> when you say last time, do you mean last time for a couple of years, or like in, as far as you're concerned, you don't need to ever see Noah again? I won't see it. I mean, I don't see it. Watch the films again. Sometimes when they f- flip on TV, if it happens, I'll watch for a few seconds, and I'll just sort of you know I'll have a moment of thing. But I think it's kind of it is you know my mentor would always say watching your old films is like masturbation. It doesn't do you any good. Uh, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> but but I think that his point was it's, you know, it's like self-love. It, it can mess you up. And also it hurt. You know, you start to see the mistakes. It's all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I had to watch Requiem because they did a Blu-ray version. Right. And uh, and my team had done all this work. They remixed it. And they and Maddie went back to the negative and re-scanned it. So they all, they all said, come on, you have to watch it. So I how watched you, it. How did you do? What do you think? <laughs> I thought it was really good, but I could not, I did not recognize. I remembered making it, and yeah. I remembered everything, but I could not, I, could, I was clearly not that kid anymore. Interesting. It was not me. So, you know, I think you, the most important thing, you know, that Madonna teaches us is that you got to keep changing and, and, <laughs> and reinventing yourself and being present, you know. And that's what I've tried to do. You know, that's what I'm trying to do is just like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. And then, and then you just try to be present in that project. So, yeah. of course, I've changed because I'm a different person than I was when I was eating falafel and starving <laughs> myself to figure out how to make pie. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's a different world now. You, you mentioned Requiem. It occurred to me when I was watching the film last night, I feel like you're like a closet, like, horror filmmaker. Like, <laughs> you, you, you make some of the most disturbing the imagery and no, there's some... It's haunting shots and in, right. in most of your films that are mm. just like um, that stick with you I mean people still talk about like I mean I, I was talking to some folks at work the other day like it's like a reference point like uh, how bad can things get that last scene in Requiem for a yeah. that's the <laughs> worst thing possible ever yeah yeah um, I, I mean I don't know what my question is there but I mean does that occur to you that like you have some kind of strange deposit of yeah of horror in your head that you're just <laughs> meeting out one at a time? Nah, I don't know. I mean, I like that. You know, for me, you got to make them laugh, cry, or scare the shit out of them. <laughs> That's your job as a filmmaker. And so, you know, you try to do, hit them all, you know. Yeah. 
Uh, the laugh thing I got to work more on. <laughs> I got to get that going a bit. I'm looking for it. I'd like to do a comedy. That would be great. I'd like to see that. Yeah, it would be awesome. Is the Western still something you want to do? Or is that No, I was working on uh, some. It just never never gelled. You know, there's always, I mean, that's the thing about development. You got to develop. You got to keep moving forward and developing stuff. And you're always going to know a lot of stuff's just not going to happen. Yeah. But it's the stuff that you keep going back to. And that's what happened with Noah is <clears throat> I, I just kept going back to it. So I knew there was something really cool there. And the fact that, you know, it's just never, it's one of the greatest, you know, stories ever told, really. It's one of our oldest stories. The fact that people are still telling it thousands of years after it was recorded. Yeah. Um, and it's never been on the silver screen is, uh, was a big challenge to, you know, just try to bring that flood story to life. And last thing for you, I mean, do, yeah. you, do you enjoy this time? Like you're, you know, obviously the film is done. Now it's the critics come out. Uh, yeah, people I, like I, me. Is it, it nerve wracking? Is it? Fun? You know is what? It... I learn about it. You know, I when I was watching the film yesterday, I was like, I actually understood it more. And I, that always, ha- I mean, that's crazy because you're working on it so hard. But when you gotta, you, when you gotta explain your shit, you gotta understand it. You know, and um, that's always happens. I remember Pi. I, I really never really knew what it was about until I like I started doing press on it because yeah. you start to put into a different type of words to you and I think that's always happening you're just learning about it and then of course you know seeing what the impact in the in the world is if there is any and if it works for people or if it doesn't work just getting getting that type of feedback and vibe from the planet of what it means is always interesting because black swan completely changed from when it was at Venice, that our first, you know, we opened up Venice with it, and no one knew what it was, and it was an Italian audience, so it was in another, you know, it was it was with subtitles, and it didn't, it was kind of dead in the room. To then seeing it like two months later, it was the next time I watched it in Philly at a random festival, and I just went down to Philly because it was playing in Philly. I was like, oh, I love Philly. I wanted to go check it out down sure. there, and people were, you know, laughing and screaming, and I was like, oh. You know, it, was a, it just changed. Yeah. So, you know, I think all you can do as a filmmaker is you just put your what you think is right and truthful, and, and not just you, but your team, because you, you've got a group. It's always a group of people. Yeah. And, but then you listen to you, you listen to what everyone's saying around you, and then you go with it. And that's what you know. That's where the good films, I think, come out of is like a small, specific team that has all been talking for a long time about it. Right. And then just keep pushing in that direction. It becomes a problem when they're made by committee. Right. You know, you get one of those widgets. Well, I appreciate that you've kept that uh, that small group for for many years, nice. and, and you're and you're growing in, in interesting areas to say the least. Yeah. And, I, and I and you know, I mean, if I didn't say it at the outset, I'll say it again. You know, I uh, have great admiration for what you do, and it's, it's always you. good to catch up with you, buddy. Thank you. I'll Thank see you on the next one. Exactly. Not before. <laughs> Actually, Prometheus too. I'll see you on the opening. Line. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> they're making it. Yay. Good to see you there. Thank you very much. Yeah.